Woo. Yeah, standing in the gap. Mark Henley's standing in the gap in the next meeting, so I get to preach again this evening, so I thought I'd be... So, here we are. So, where am I going to go? I'm going to go actually where we've been going, um, talking about equality and difference, and uh, just pushing on that. got so many thoughts that are coming through my mind on that, but how many of you uh, have suffered some kind of bug or thing over the last few weeks? Um, some of you, I did. Uh, David Webster is out at the moment, so... Um, uh, Donna, myself and David, um, along with Alan Cass and David Fogg, were away uh, earlier this week with some church leaders actually from four different nations and we gathered together just to look at how we're working together. It was exciting times, we won't go into all that, but we had a great time, didn't we Donna? And it was a real privilege to be with people starting to walk forward together in, in uh, a certain, you know, very close relational way and uh, so that was exciting. Um, Dave Webster had to come home early from that because he was <laughs> not feeling well and it's never great to have to do a, a bit of a long well not that long drive about a two hour drive um, when you're not feeling well so he, he said he got home and, uh, and then <laughs> since then he's been thinking he would recover and he said yeah I'm feeling better I'll be alright to preach and then yesterday oh, no uh, and um, so it just made me think I was actually ill a couple of weeks ago I preached and, and uh, hit me and actually for the first time, probably over 10 years, I had to take to my bed ill, which is... Now, it made me think, actually, yeah, I've been really grateful. You know, it's, it, that actually, I haven't had to take to my bed ill for, I don't think, probably more than 10 years. It's not that I've had bits and pieces, you know, and felt a bit under the weather, but I thought... And um, it just made me reflect. I'm, I'm, help, I'm grateful for health. Are you grateful for your health? And, um, and just something to think, actually, God wants us to be healthy. I'm just pushing this out there, that the ultimate goal of, of, of our Christianity is not healing, but actually health. We, we heal people to get them healthy, but actually being healthy is better than needing to be healed. I've got to throw that one out there. Um, uh, so, so, and you know what? When you're feeling ill, it, it can feel like it consumes everything. Oh, goodness, I, I struggle to get up and you know, make a cup of coffee. I, thought, oh, I haven't been like this for... Yonks. Um, and then when, you, when, when it comes back and you get, you think, oh, this is nice. Get your health back. Do you understand that? You think, oh, this, is, this feels good. Well, you know, your spiritual health is, is like that. And I, I was, uh, about two years ago, one of our day school students said to me, Pete, what does it feel like to, to pray in tongues and worship 24 hours a day? Because that's my basic that's been my life for the last 40 odd years is that those are just parts of my life and I thought that's a good question what does it feel like to to worship 24 hours a day and pray in tongue 24 hours a day and I thought I don't know really Um, seriously I was thinking I I don't know I don't know Um, what does it feel feel like so so I was pondering this question for probably a couple of hours I think I have no idea what it feels like Um, and then this this idea came to me I thought oh I know what it feels it feels healthy and when you're healthy, you don't really take a lot of notice of it, do you? You get on with life. Does that make sense? You actually notice when you're not healthy. Does that make sense to you? you know, so I can remember that day when I was ill far more than I can remember when I'm healthy, broadly speaking. And um, So what I want to tell you is actually Jesus wants us to live healthy. Um, and his idea of health 
is expressed in all sorts of ways. But, but one of them is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit of the kingdom of heaven. So, so, so I want to tell you that, that what it feels like actually every day to be spiritually healthy is righteousness, which is actually right standing with God. No blame, no shame, no guilt, no condemnation. Right standing with God. Get up. Get up in the morning. Hey, God and I are good. I hope you feel that. Get up in the morning. Hey, how does God look at you first thing in the morning? He said, wow. My beloved son, daughter, whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. That, that's basically his attitude towards you in the morning. Um, and it's, it's, it's smart to line yourself up with his attitude. Because his, his, his attitude, his opinion is the best one. So, so, And then peace and joy. So waking up with peace, which is the whole well-being of God, and joy is, is, a, is a, a good thing. Healthy. So I'm just throwing it out there as an idea. So, and if we're not experiencing that, actually probably we need to then think about what, what's the root, what's the diagnosis to get that sorted. And it could be perfect. So that's just one thing. This is a thought to throw out before I get going on this. But, um, and uh, I believe it's possible to live with peace and joy as your normal healthy being. When you don't feel that, that's wrong. See, so actually... What I find is sometimes we've managed to accommodate ourselves to, to long-term Ill, Ill health. People do, if, if, in the physical sense. If, if long-term um, um, uh, Ill health, actually, people accommodate their lives around it. Rightly so, they have to. Do you understand? But actually, I think that so Christians have somehow accommodated themselves around things so that we think, actually, that's normal when it's not. Yeah? And I'll throw this one out. So... That, so Misery and anxiety are not normal for Christians. Yeah? What's, what's, what, what's, what's normal health for Christians is a peace that passes all understanding. And what, what's normal health for Christians is, is, is a joy overflowing. What's normal health for Christians is, is miracles extending out of us. Is the kingdom of heaven being extended through us. Just normal. That's normal. Normal is... is Healing, miracles, deliverance, setting people free, gospel, righteousness, peace and joy. All these sorts of things which we can all carry. Yeah? So we all have equal opportunity to carry those aspects of, of heaven. Does that make sense? One thing. So nobody's more qualified as a Christian than another one to carry heaven on earth. So one of the things I wanted to ask you is how much of heaven do you want to carry? How much, how, much of, how much of heaven do you want to carry? All of it. All of it and maybe even more of it. Yeah? Because all of it is quite a lot. All of it is, is infinite and eternal. That's quite a, quite, a, quite a... And so one of the things I'm looking at, this is what I'm being telling you, is, is actually how much capacity do I have to, to carry heaven? What, what, what will God entrust to me? How much capacity have you got? How much capacity have we got to carry heaven? <clears throat> and understanding this equality and difference thing, I think, is vital to actually understanding and, and, and pushing forward in how much heaven we can carry. But <clears throat> I believe we carry more now than we did ten years ago as a church, which is good. I think Donna's nodding along. We're we doing that one. She's my source of reference today. <laughs> and I, I could actually explain that, but I, th- I think if you've been here for the last 10 years, you think, oh, actually, I mean, things have changed a lot in 10 years, and we carry a whole lot more heaven than we did 10 years ago because God revealed things to us. And 
when he reveals things to you, if you're faithful with them, he will give you more. But if you're not faithful with what he gives you, yeah, you don't get more. It's a simple. If you're faithful with the Lord, you get more. And it's not just that he wants to withhold it from you, but he wants us to grow in, in our capacity and our capabilities. So, so I wanted to talk to you about, about that today. So uh, I mean, in doing so, I want you to talk about um, authority, particularly today. Understanding heavenly authority, I believe, is vital to release the resources of heaven. And um, the way I think around this, broadly speaking, is that as a doctor... I have authority from the, uh, the health service, from the Department of Health, to release the resources of the National Health Service to you if you come to me for it. So if you go and see you know, your GP, um, he has the health service in front of him, that's, that's his resource base, and he can access it. He, she. Yeah? You can't if you're not a doctor. Uh, you can, uh, nurses can get access to some of it. It's increasing, so it's good, you know, but actually, as it currently stands, broadly speaking, it's doctors who get access to every bit of it. Effectively. You might say, what? Well, I know there's rationing, there's all sorts of things going on, but broadly speaking, that's, what, that's what's going on. Um, and <clears throat> when, when doctors can access the resources of the health service, it's for your benefit. Yeah? That's the point. So they have authority to release resources which are for your benefit, not their own. It's not to make them better doctors, it's actually their, their, their job is to give you health and life. That make sense? And that, that's what I think a heavenly authority looks like. Heavenly authority is given to us so we can release the resources of heaven to give away life and health to other people. Um, and in the Bible... It, He's quite clearly contrasted, in, in the, particularly in the New Testament, the difference between heaven's authority and human authority. And, and Jesus actually talked about that. And I, I want to talk around that a little bit. And I want to talk about um, uh, what it means to actually have an absence of hierarchy in, in an environment. Because this is quite confusing. Because an absence of hierarchy isn't an absence of order, and it's not an absence of authority. Okay, so, and I've been talking about this. I, I know it gets confusing. But, oh, yeah, what does that mean? How does that work? Cool. So there's no, no leaders, there's no, none of this, no, 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 it doesn't mean that. So I really want to try and unpack that a little bit for you today. And um, we'll see how far we get. So, okay? Remember, this is coming off the hoof. So, so you bear with me today, right? So it's, 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 <laughs> but there's been a lot of thinking going, going on in my mind over this, oh, for, for decades probably on this. So, um, so I'm going to have a look at the difference between heavenly authority and earthly authority a little bit. Um, and I want to have a look at the difference between hierarchy and equality. So, so this is what I would suggest. <coughs> that when you talk about something that has a hierarchy, it basically depends on what I call positional authority. The, the reason I have authority is because I've been given a position of, of responsibility. Yeah? And I'm not saying it's wrong, it's just it, that's a reality. Okay? It's, so, so, for instance, bless her at the moment, Theresa May is, is, is working very hard to exercise her positional authority. Um, and it's, it's under threat, isn't it? But I, I want to say, I, just, I admire the lady's grit and determination and, and, and I would say her faithfulness to what she believes is, is, is delivering on something that the country voted for. I'm not, this is not a political statement, I'm just a personal... That lady has my admiration at the moment and my prayers because I think she is in a 
extremely difficult position. Um, and, and, but you can see how anything that has a positional authority actually uh, doesn't have an uh, eternal con- um, reality to it. It's temporary. Does that make sense? It's always temporary. Positional authority is always temporary. Apart from God's. God has a pretty big positional authority. And it's eternal. Any other position, it doesn't matter what what position you are given, in human terms, at some stage it will go away. It's inevitable. Even if you hold it to the point of death, at that point you you relinquish it. So, so positional authority is always temporary, <coughs> and basically it looks like it, it has an understanding that, that, that I have authority over you because I have a position of responsibility with regard to you that means I can tell you what is needed to be done. Um, it's important in the military, in the police, in all sorts of things, actually even things in the health service. I remember um, uh, I used to, to be in charge of the... Um, cardiac arrest team in uh, one of the jobs I had uh, and for 18 months I would carry the emergency bleep with me and if, if there was a cardiac arrest we would run to wherever there was in the hospital and I was in charge of that team and they would do whatever I said at that moment without any questions asked. Why? Because we had to save that person's life or try to. It, was, and it wasn't a debate going on. Oh, let's have a think about what's the best treatment for this person. I, well, no, I don't think you should be giving that to them while they die. You know, that, that's not a good idea. At that moment, I was exercising absolute positional authority and I expected absolute obedience. Yeah? So I know what that looks like and feels like. And I know it's sometimes necessary, and it's necessary in society. So the police actually have, have authority like that. You think, oh, good job too. Yeah, we're, we're grateful for it. Prisons actually have pretty much that. So it is necessary in society. And, and, and when you come around to, um, people say, do you ever exercise it like that in Christianity? Yes, I say. So when somebody is so affected by a demon that they don't know what they're doing, actually, I, I'll exercise authority over that demon to set them free. Like Jesus with the Gadarene demoniac? Jesus didn't actually ask for permission. He didn't. But, but, but that is not a good thing to step forward. Basically, uh, um, I believe that, that what God gives us is inequality is, is, is relational authority. Where your authority is dependent upon your relationship with somebody. Because authority basically is the ability to influence Okay, so if you if you put influence in it, actually, then then <coughs> who as Christians you have the ability to influence, broadly speaking, dependent on relational trust. That make sense? I'll go and pack it to you. So so, it's a, so, so when Jesus uh, was offering that people could follow him, yeah, did he demand it? Did he ever demand that people followed him? No, never. It was always voluntary. Even with the twelve, when when you got had the feeding of the five thousand, everybody's happy. Then he says, "Right now, eat my flesh, drink my blood." Everybody not happy. Don't understand. Five thousand plus disappear. Twelve left, and he says to the twelve, "Okay, guys, what are you doing? What's your choice? What's your choice?" And and so relational authority requires choice, and I believe that's how heavenly authority 
broadly speaking, works. God has given us freedom, and freedom is choice. Yeah? So how, how does that, that, that all work? Well, I want to tell you that, that basically that sort of heavenly authority only works through trust and faithfulness and love. And I'm going to try and, try and unpack that a little bit. Um, and this is where understanding of equality and difference is really important because if you understand that we're all equal but we're all different and you understand which bit you have to play in the body of Christ, then what you're meant to be faithful to is that. Does that make sense? And as you are faithful to that, and God's hand rests upon it, people will trust you with that. Increasingly so. And I believe as that happens and you're faithful with it, then you will release more and more of that bit of heaven that, that you carry. Last, you know, last year, sometime I preached about the metrons, um, which is actually, which portion? It says you actually got, got Jesus has given portions of his kingdom out. So the answer to, to, to actually how much of heaven can, can, can you carry is individually each one of us has a limit. But corporately we don't. Which I kind of like. Corporately, this is how Jesus has made it. He says he, this is how he, he put the body together and it says in, in Ephesians, he's of distributed gifts so that all of us become mature. But they're different gifts. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And, and so, so there are portions of the, of the kingdom that we can carry, and, but none of them are more important than the rest of the kingdom. So all the kingdom's important. So, so, so what's my responsibility is to carry the bit of the kingdom that has been apportioned to me. And if I'm faithful with the bit that, 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 that has already been revealed to me, then, then more will be given to me and I'll be more effective in the kingdom. And one of the problems when you have a hierarchical concept and system is, is people want to progress through a hierarchy in order to fulfill their godly ambition. Understandably so. Yeah? It's, it's because if, you, if and you're meant to be ambitious for God, you're meant to be releasing more of the kingdom. And so great heartedness, you know, I want to see more of heaven released, but if the only way that that seems possible is by actually climbing a ladder of hierarchy, then you will adopt into a hierarchical concept. Well, I believe God is actually saying something very different, that, that actually he wants us to understand our equality and our difference so that we all sit alongside one another happily, not competing for anything, not competing for any position, but actually happy with the position that God has designated to us and the calling that he's given to us. Um, and I believe one of the other things that's really, really important in this is self-awareness. What are you and what aren't you? And are you happy to be what you're called to be? Are you happy to be what you're not called to be? That's a massive thing. Because, again, if you've actually got a hierarchical thing, if you think one gift is more important or carries more position than another, then you might desire to be something that you're not. If you try to be what you're not, it's very difficult to be faithful to God's purpose. And so self-awareness, and that's where selfish ambition, envy, and jealousy are deadly. And it actually talks about that in, in James chapter 3 when it talks contrasts heaven's wisdom with earthly wisdom. And there's a, there's, there's a massive correlation between heaven's wisdom 
uh, and earthly wisdom with heaven's authority and earthly authority. So it says heaven's wisdom uh, has selfish ambition and jealousy in it. And it says these things actually can lead to every sort of disorder. That's quite a big statement in James chapter 3. (laughs) <laughs> so, so, and I think one of the most important things for um, getting over selfish ambition and jealousy is self-awareness, which is why uh, last week we looked at the, the bit about where it says, um, have a sober judgment of yourself. Have a sober judgment of yourself. That's that passage in Romans 12 that talks about all the different gifts. Have a sober, have a good awareness of yourself. Because as you are more and more aware of yourself, then you are more and more able to be faithful to what you've been called to be. <coughs> Good. Okay. So, um, can we bring up Romans chapter 1, verse 5, please, Akin? <coughs> this is what Paul, Paul said about himself. Through him, through Jesus, we receive grace and apostleship. So he's talking about himself alongside probably Barnabas maybe other apostles, to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. Now, what I, what I want to just point out here is that Paul was extremely clear what he had received grace for. And, and actually, in, in pretty much every one of his epistles, he introduced himself as an apostle and a servant. Pretty much everyone, if you, you, st- you study the introductions to Paul's, Paul's letters, pretty much everyone's got apostle and servant next to each other, which actually gives you a good idea. Apostles serve, they serve other people. Apostles are not the top of the pack, they're foundational, they, they're grace. Now, what, what he says then, that the purpose of, <coughs> of apostleship, it's a great word that, apostleship, um, was to call all the Gentiles to the obedience. Now, again, if you have a hierarchical mindset, obedience fits into a certain mould which actually often carries a little bit of fear with it. Heaven's wisdom does not have fear and heaven's authority should never create fear. Actually, I'm just to you, heaven's authority never creates fear. fear God has not given us a spirit of fear. So, so where we find ourselves responding in a, a fearful way, then actually something of heaven's not being expressed. That's fact, the contrary. Uh, <clears throat> So what he talks about here is obedience that comes from faith. And faith is, is tr- substitute the word trust. <coughs> um, and I, you've heard me talk about this before, but uh, we've got people in our lives we, we put our faith in, literally. We trust. And you know, one of those is, is our, our, our garage mechanic, Mick. Um, he's in my book. He's, he's one of the most faithful people I've ever come across. We love him dearly, don't we, Kim? We uh, even phoned him up this week and said, Mick, can you do this? And, and it's just, boom! You know, we don't even think, you know, uh, shall we trust him or not? It just, he's, 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 he's proved himself over the last 30 years to us. This man is extraordinarily faithful. We trust him. With our cars and other bits. I don't trust him as a doctor because he isn't one. <laughs> So, so sometimes I find people that actually say, do you trust me? You think, well, it's a kind of strange question. Because none, none of us actually, apart from God, deserve universal trust. You would not trust me with your card. Trust, trust me in that opinion. All right? If you did, it would be a very foolish trust. All right? James and Sarah are chuckling there because they know how useless I am when it comes down to machinery. 
I don't, I'm, I'm not going to ask you. I'm self-aware enough to not ask you to trust me in that. Oh, come on, I could do it. No, I can't. I just can't do it. I'm not bothered that I can't do it. I just can't do it. But I can do lots of other things, which is, that's good self-awareness. It's not an excuse. It's reality, isn't it, Kim? I'm just no good at that. I see, I've got a project going on at home at the moment in the garden. That Kim and I have got a dispute over whether I'm self-aware or not. So this <laughs> it's looking ambitious, but it's, uh, Kim's not convinced that this is going to come. I, I, yes, the optimist in me, I, I can do this. Kim's watching on with a little bit of trepidation at the moment. So, but I'm, I'm confident I can pull it off. I hope. There's a difference between hope and faith, isn't there? Hope is a... I think I can... Kind of. We don't hope that Mick will be with our car we know he will be he is such a faithful guy and so when he says something about our car we say yeah we obey him because his, his opinion is far more informed than ours and we used to say to him actually there was a good question we started off earlier with, with if we was to say Mick would you drive this car with your kids in he said, oh, yeah, that'd be all right. That. Said, okay, I'm all right. He said, no, 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 no. <laughs> really interesting little question. So, and um, <laughs> is this all right to drive? No. Okay. We don't drive it. Why? Because I trust his opinion. Does that make sense? Now, I want to tell you, that's what submission looks like. And I say it's beautiful. One of the problems we've got is submission has become a word within Christianity because it's been put in a hierarchical sense. And we have to get it back because the Bible does talk about it a lot. So, 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 so I want to talk to you about, put that in there as well. If you've got positional authority, you try and exercise authority over people and submission means you have to come under. So have you ever been asked, who are you under? Christianity? I would suggest that's, that, that's dependent upon positional authority, not, not relational authority. I believe if you've got positional authority, submission looks like coming alongside to be blessed and to learn. If I see somebody else has got something I haven't got and I need it, I want to come alongside them to gain. Like we do with Mick or... You know, there are other people in this church who are far, far more gifted at certain aspects of the kingdom than I am. So what do I do? I voluntarily place myself alongside them, you could say under them, whatever, to learn and to be blessed. Because I know I'm not complete in myself. And in heavenly, heaven's submission, and it talks about heaven's wisdom is submissive in James chapter 3. Heaven's wisdom is submissive. What heavenly submission looks like is voluntary sitting Voluntarily sitting at someone else's feet. That's how I describe it. That's, that's, a, that's a phrase from this morning. I hope you like it because it was what I was working at. Uh, this morning. I thought, actually, yeah. What do I do? For, I believe heaven's submission is voluntarily sitting at someone else's feet. And I also got the... <laughs> this is a slap in the face statement, but it's good. I believe if, if, if submission isn't voluntary, if it's required, it's actually slavery. <laughs> if submission is, is required of you, effectively that's, I think, slavery. And the Bible tells us not to allow ourselves to be enslaved again. That's why I believe this is really important. So 
I want to say, I, I, this is my heart towards any of you. I would never require you to submit to me. It's like when the banks say, if anybody ever asks you for your, all your security details, it's probably not the bank. God is not requiring slavery of us. We're no longer slaves. There was an Old Testament under thing in the New Testament. <coughs> we are not called. What you have is, is a spirit of adoption. Yeah? That's what it says. The Holy Spirit is, is a spirit of adoption. And we haven't got a spirit of slavery. So I believe we learn to, to place our trust appropriately. There are different levels of influence. Um, again, just think of that. And I understand, actually, in this environment, through my experience, through the trust that I have, I, I have you know, a great level of influence that, that, that other people don't necessarily enjoy. But that's a massive responsibility. And, that's, and thank you for the respect and that, that you give to your leaders, because actually, you know, the leaders alongside, and anybody, they take massive responsibility. You know. So, so where's, is Steph in here this morning or out? There you are, Steph. Massive responsibility. Thank you, you take on week in, week out. And others, you know, and the guys who do the car park, I think, that's, that's a responsibility, isn't it? And they do it faithfully. It just, you think, I'm just so grateful. I'm quite worked out. We haven't got equality in, in the sexual sort of, uh, bit of, of, of uh, representation in the car parking. So if any ladies want to volunteer for that, it, 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 it. <laughs> definitely a male domain. <laughs> I can see the ladies going, oh, thanks, not this. This is, not the, this is definitely not the day, day to appeal to that. I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm joking with you, but it's, it's, it, there are certain things. That, oh, yeah, that's more, guys are more likely to do that. And, but I would suggest that we need more men in our children's. Why? Because our kids need father figures, not just mother figures. And I would suggest that's not a calling, that's a common responsibility. I'm saying, actually, when you're for a family, actually, ah, well, yeah, I'm called to this, I'm called to no, There's a sense of responsibility. I'm just throwing it out there. That's one of those ones I think the way we look after our kids and our youth is, 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 a, is a demonstration of, of, of what we are as a church and who we are as a church. So, Steph, I wanted to celebrate you. Thank you very much. But all the people, any of you who do that side and have done, it's just, I'm so, so grateful because. People say, I, I, really, I really don't like the concept that, um, that this is the main meeting on a Sunday. Now, this is generally where the adults are. We've got lots of main meetings going on. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an easy phrase to come into. You know, there are masses of meetings going on in this place right now. None of them is more main than another. Yeah. I think that's that understanding. But so we we have an influence upon our grandkids. So in Sam, actually, we're looking after them a bit today. I'm quite aware that I have less influence upon them than their mum and dad, which I'm quite happy about. To be honest, less responsibility. Granddad gets to play, <laughs> and uh, so I, it, don't, it doesn't make me feel any lesser in their lives. You know. So in Sam, I'm just different. I'm Granddad. David's dad. It's different. And, uh, you know, it's okay having less influence in certain areas. And you will, throughout life. You know, they're, they're, but there are areas where you have major influence in and others where you have less influence. It's not competition. 
And I remember when, um, when Zoe was first born, actually, Kim and I, we, we, we said to, to David and Joe, our, our responsibility as grandparents is to help you parenting your children. And we never want to be in competition with you. So although I have fun with them and, you know, they're the jokes that grand, you know, what granddad could do and something other, actually I really make sure in my mind that I am helping David and Joe in their raising of, the, of Zoe and Sam rather than being a stumbling block. It's really important. So, so I'm aware of that influence. There, do you know there are different seasons when you have different capacity? Um, and I think, like I've said, different areas of trust and I believe in mature relationships, <laughs> the amount of influence I have over somebody is their choice. I'm saying immature relationships because I was just thinking about this with Zoe and Sam. Zoe and Sam, although, because they don't get full choice yet. They don't, do they? They're not funny. They, 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 you know, parents, parents don't give their children full choice until they're mature. Or at least you shouldn't. It's not wise. <laughs> But what you're trying to do through the maturing process is, is help them to know how to make good choices. And I believe in, in, in mature relationships, which are peer level, equality relationships, any influence I have, so therefore, thereby any authority I have, is that person's choice to trust. And you can't demand it. And sometimes I see people struggle and say, wow! People aren't trusting me. Um, well, the first person to look at is yourself. Why would that? Why might that be? And um, so I just want to hit on something that I've been thinking about because <clears throat> as I've studied this over, well, literally the last few days, um, I've been looking at this and thought love and faithfulness seem to be the key. And I've looked at this in terms of who God is. Um, and actually, I, so I went through my concordance with love and faithfulness, and I was, I was amazed to find how many verses there are that refer to God in the same verse in terms of love and faithfulness. It's extraordinary. There, there, there's absolutely masses of them. Um, so I'm going to throw a few of them out. It says, um, uh, in, <clears throat> in love a throne will be established, in faithfulness a man will sit on it. One from the house of David, one who, who in judging seeks justice and speeds the cause of righteousness. That's Acts six, uh, Isaiah 16, verse 5. So I'm just going to flip across on my iPad. Um, Psalm 57, verse 3. You haven't got these, Akin, don't worry. Psalm 57, verse 3. It says, He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. Isn't that right? God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. Um, Psalm 57, verse 10. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Psalm 61, verse 7. May he be enthroned in God's presence forever. Appoint your love and faithfulness to protect him. And it goes, it goes on and on. I've just, I suggest you have a look at it. Um, and so I thought, well, if we want to be like him, then that is pretty important. And there's a verse in the Bible which I really love. I've got a few minutes to get there. Um, 2 Timothy 2 verse 13 is, is, is a verse that I always find um, well, certainly encouraging, but it's more than that to me because it says this. If we are faithless, this is towards God, if we are faithless, <coughs> he remains, that's God, he remains faithful. <coughs> and why? Because he cannot... 
He's saying the actual, probably an easier understanding translation is he cannot deny himself. And I thought, it's why does God remain faithful even if I'm faithless? Because he is faithful. You see, it's simply his nature to be faithful. Why does God love me? Because he is love. See, God can't help the love. He also can't help being faithful. Faithfulness is being true to his nature. You can't deny who he is. His nature, he is always true to. That's what God's faithfulness looks like. So if God's actually imparted to me his nature, and he's entrusted me with a part of who he is to be expressed on earth, then my job is to be faithful to what he has called me to be. In love. Yeah? So, so loving people, but if I'm faithful to what he has called me to be, which is why I believe it's so important we understand what we're meant to be, if I'm faithful to that and I do what this bit, then that will just continually grow and grow and grow. And <clears throat> so what, in Ephesians... 4 verse 1, it says this, uh, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And then if we go to 2 Peter 1, I just want to finish with this chapter. 2 Peter 1, and I'm going to start at verse 3. I just want to read through it so that you actually, I want to, if you can go away and you can study this if you like, but I want to finish on this. It says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. That's not bad, is it? <laughs> he, he's given you everything you need. Wow. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. That is amazing. So what are you a participator in? Literally, the nature of God. So what does it mean to be faithful? It means not to deny yourself. It's to live up to that bit of himself that he has entrusted to you. In one sense, it's all of it, but there's, there's a specific bit. Yeah? All the fruit are ours, but actually some of the tasks are specifically driven. So we have his nature, <coughs> having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now, for this very reason, okay, for this reason, for what you've been called to, make every effort... So is it just going to happen? No. Have you got to work at it? Yes. Mick did not become a great garage mechanic without effort and continual development. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance. There's an important one. How good are you at perseverance? (laughs) We live in a very, very instant society. And we've got to be careful about it. There's a, there's a need to persevere. And to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Now listen to this. For if you possess these qualities in what? Increasing measure. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. 
For if we do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Is that not beautiful? Rich welcome. You're going to get a good welcome. Because he loves you. I just think this is, this is the challenge. Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Every one of us has been called by God. And there, there's some very general things that we all equally share in. Yeah? But there are different things that are just for you, uniquely. And I want you to live up to the specific calling you've got. And I want us to live up to the specific calling we've got. But together, we can do amazing things, releasing heaven on earth. Amen.